You are listening to the Converge Media Network, uplifting our voices. Hello there, everybody, and welcome back to Circling Seattle Sports on Converge Media. Charles Hamaker here, joined by Bell Garcia. Uh, just want to say I am proud of Bell for uh, taking Aww. on more of a role. We've got her on uh, Storm Game Days by herself now, Mariners, uh, as well as her own Twitter, which we will uh, have to update that here her little yes. thing here in a little bit so that you know with these games that she's at when I may be at a different game you can uh, follow along as well always retweeting and pushing her stuff along so you can stay up to date on those as well but um man it's when did you join the show was it like, I think it was the beginning of the year yeah we're getting old huh someone <laughs> terrible my memory's going so with that being said we'll continue here and get into I mean there, there's some Seahawks news. it's more sort of uh more some stuff that I want some opinions on and some thoughts on. So let's get right into that. What do we got going on? Yeah. So for May 19th here, we have a bit of a rumor. Um, quarterback Geno Smith reported, reportedly has the early edge over Drew Locke due to familiarity. Um, I know that this is actually funny because this is something that we had received a comment about before. Um, so <laughs> what, just kind of looking for your thoughts here. Like it doesn't surprise me completely, just maybe as a warm up until Drew Locke gets in the group of things but what do you think well uh i think you're completely right you know with the early goings i believe ota started today or they will start today mm -hmm. so yeah i mean with the report coming out that it's a familiar familiar hey, familiarity thing yeah early on like, that makes sense right but you know just from what I'm, i've gathered from drew lock's time in denver and just overall i mean if you look at it on paper right just um age uh you know um his arm strength mm -hmm. um, and just a little bit of mobility compared to what Gino's got. And again, you know, if Gino comes out and wins a starting job outright, I'm not going to, you know, it's, it's, there's a reason there's a comp, a quarterback competition. Yeah. Right. Um, but uh, you know, for the stage that we're at, I think that initial report makes sense. Okay. Um, and just more quarterback news here. The team has waived QB Levi Lewis. So he was an undrafted free agent. Um, quarterback room after Lewis was waived is now Drew Locke, Geno Smith, and Jacob Eason. Um, and like we said, it likely uh, Geno will start. And it'll be interesting if they ever do make that transition during the season to Drew Locke or when they decide to. I so. have to figure both guys play some amount of games together. I don't think it's just okay. going to be one guy the whole way. Yeah. But then I want to ask you with that, that quarterback room that, you know, compared to what we've had is not necessarily ideal. Um, do you think they add to that? I know that again, obviously the idea of a Baker Mayfield has kind of lingered around, has kind of been around here. There yeah. was an Instagram post by his wife. I where, saw that. Yeah. So, I mean, do you think they add to that room or is it just kind of, this is, it is again. I I would have. I was. We've we've talked about it here before. I've looked at a Levi, not a Levi Lewis, a Malik Willis, mm -hmm. right? I mean, we've thought about stuff like that. Even at the very beginning, when Russell was traded, I was like, oh, maybe bring in a Cam Newton because of his mobility yeah. and all that kind of thing, and because he's a veteran. But it just seems like, as I've said since the draft, it just seems like they're staying put with what they've got because they believe in what they have. Yeah. Do you think that there is any possibility? even if small, that they add to that quarterback room? 
I don't. And just with the whole Baker Mayfield thing, because previously they didn't really show interest. I think these are the guys that they move forward with. And this is what we have to work with. Um, I'm also not familiar with them seeking or being interested in anybody else. Have you heard any no. names thrown out there? Because okay. it's, it's, you know, I know that at a time they weren't interested in Baker Mayfield um, after previously being interested. And then now it's, I think Cleveland's asking for too much, mm -hmm. you know, and again, yeah. if you've got, well, that's the thing that plays into it and we'll get to it in legal news about Deshaun Watson, right? Uh, how long is he going to be out? You know, cause you have to figure oh, he's going right. to be out at least a little bit, which I, you know, that's, that's our own thing that we could talk about on its end on its own, pardon me. But I think he's still got some value to them. So charging a whole lot doesn't necessarily make sense when it's like, hey, you might already keep him anyway. Mm -hmm. You know, why would, you know, so I don't know. Uh, I guess you can play it into, oh, he's going to be, he might be a starter for us still. That hadn't actually crossed my mind, uh, surprisingly. So, yeah, that's true. It's an interesting angle, but at the end of the day, like when we reach week one of preseason, I think we're going to be looking at the same quarterback room. Maybe bring in a couple of veterans to just, and maybe a veteran or two. I know last uh, last year they brought in Sean Mannion uh, at some point to like kind of work it in, but he didn't. I don't think he stuck. Yeah. So I don't think so. No, I think they stick with what they've got. Moving forward here on May 23rd, the team signs wide receiver Marquise Goodwin to a one-year deal. Um, now I want to get your interest <laughs> on this. This happened. Uh, the contract details of this haven't been released, like money wise. It's just a one year, according to Spot Track. Yeah. Um, obviously, you've got DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. Mm -hmm. Okay. It's just, just for this year, right? We won't look past this year in terms of contracts and all that. For this year, does this tell you anything about D. Eskridge? Because he got drafted in a place where some people thought he might have been a reach. He's already a little bit older than the standard draft pick, right? I think he's like 23, 24 now. And this is like, what, second year in the league? Um, and he just hasn't been able, even when he was healthy, he wasn't seeing those immediate third wide receiver snaps and he just has not been able, at least mm -hmm. after a year, right. You know, you can't judge everything off of one year, but am I reaching and asking if this is any indicate, any sort of, uh, no. indication on, I mean, on Eskridge or you think this definitely is, Hey, not a reach. we need you, we need someone to push you. We need a guy like, uh, Goodwin who's a speedy guy has always been a wide receiver kick returner sort of guy. I think he spent last year with the 49ers. Uh, no, pardon me with the bears the year before the three years before that, the 49ers, but I don't know. Right. Because again, if you're not producing, why don't I bring in someone to push you a little bit to give you some competition? Cause yeah. you've got Freddie Swain below you, you know, they drafted a couple of guys, Derek young, Bo Melton, mm -hmm. but I think that speaks a little bit as to what they see from Eskridge. It definitely does. Um, I think just with the all the guys that they do have in that position, and like you said, bringing in a veteran that can maybe take your spot in a sense is going to motivate you to improve or do better. So it'll be interesting to see what moves they make from here. Yep. I mean, it's it's now or never, and yep. it's interesting to see how he'll react to that, I'm, I'm sure. Well, not necessarily now or never, but it's obviously – to use something that was just talked to us about before. It was a proving ground. Mm -hmm. yeah. You've got to prove yourself and you've got to earn that contract. And hey, maybe it's like, uh, we got to figure out what we want to do here. Um, so no, I was, I, I saw that signing. I was like, huh, what about, what's the Eskridge doing? You know, cause unless you plan on using a lot of four receiver sets, which that's not necessarily a Pete Carroll thing to do. Yeah. So I don't know. We'll see. But 
was interested to hear your thoughts on that. Yeah, moving forward on to some league news here. On May 16th, Kyler Murray may get a Derek Carr-like deal. We know that Kyler's been fighting for an extension here, and he wasn't really happy starting the season without a contract extension. So sounds like he's reportedly seeking an extension a little higher than Derek Carr's three-year $121.5 million deal per league executives. Now, as a Cardinals, do you see yourself moving on from a Kyler Murray? If I'm in the GM chair, I don't think I, I can afford to. Right. Because for the longest time, I mean, you had Carson Palmer for a few years, and that was fine with them. You had Josh Rosen, who you took high, and he didn't turn out. And then you bring in Kyler Murray right after that. Uh, and then before then, it was a carousel of guys. I know Kevin Cobb was in there. Uh, there were some other names. But overall, the Cardinals, it, it just, just like kind of how we're in the situation at this moment, Franchise quarterbacks are not easy to stumble upon. Right. And usually the teams that go deep in the playoffs have one of those. You know, you look at, I mean, the Vikings a few years ago when they had the Minneapolis Miracle, that's a different story because there was a lot of talent on that team. And obviously they didn't go that far. Um, well, I mean, they lost to the Eagles. Uh, and granted, the Eagles were able to pull it out, but Nick Foles was playing at a level higher than he normally does. Mm-hmm. Right. So I with the way with talking about that and franchise quarterbacks, I don't think they can afford to. Right. Because it's like, Hey, then we go searching again. And you've got <laughs> exactly. DeAndre Hopkins. You've got now uh Marquise Hollywood Brown. Mm-hmm. You've got Zach Ertz. You've got the guys on that line. You've got that defense. You can't really, you've got too much invested in it. I think to go into a sort of rebuild yeah. and worry about searching for a new quarterback. So I don't think, I think you have to just deal with it and yeah. pay up. And they did start off hot last season, so I don't see why you would not see what he can bring you in the Yeah, future. and it's just about, I mean, there's a coaching moments, yeah. right? It's like, obviously, these are things that you want to adjust from. So, yeah, I think if you're Arizona, you have to just deal with it. Yeah, so, of course, we'll report once we do find more information on Kyler Murray's contract and how that extension went. Um, on the 17th, there are new changes coming to Monday Night Football. There are reportedly triple headers coming to the primetime broadcast, along with flex scheduling for later in the season. And that would be starting in 2023. Um, how do you feel about a triple header? Would you wa- would you sit there and watch a triple header? Um, on a Monday? Uh, it feels like a lot. Yeah. The double header is already like, oh, mm-hmm. okay, there's another three hours I have to sit through. So nine hours on top, you add commercials and stuff, and just a lot. And yeah. if my team's not really playing and if it's earlier in the season, I know it said flex scheduling later in the season, but like week one, week two, when they've already got the double headers for Monday night, eh, you know, cause things are yeah. so much different even four or six weeks later, you know, in the, in terms of like standings and how teams are playing. So I don't know. I just feel like with a lot of these uh, primetime matchups, a lot of these serve, uh, not services, but broadcasting, uh, sort of platforms. It feels like they're trying to do too much. Um, it's nice to see the Monday Night Football crew revamped yeah. because for a bit it hasn't been as good as it has been. Mm-hmm. Um, but on a triple header, it just seems like you're doing too much. I think that the double headers, because you would assume that they would put it probably before, right? There's no way you add it after and then have it go later. Yeah, I would so. have to think before. So that's even earlier in the yeah, day, yeah, yeah. you know, depending on where you're at and time zone. So I don't know. That just seems like a bad idea. Yeah, it doesn't seem like for me anyway. I don't think viewership would be very high for that first game. Um, so we'll see how that plays out and if they go through. Oh, it 
looks like they have already, right? Is that like final decision? Pretty sure. Okay. Well, we'll see what viewership is like then. <laughs> um, also on the 17th, we have some Deshaun Watson news. He did have to meet with the NFL in regard to a situation. Um, it looks like they're deadlocked to delay Watson trials. So all trial proceedings regarding the 22 women and the Browns quarterback are now expected to be pushed back to 2023. Attorneys have not been able to come to an agreement on which suit would be heard first between two plaintiffs. Um, now, we did hear some news in regard from Watson um, in regard to one of those encounters where he openly admitted that one of the women left crying after the session. So um, don't see that going well. Uh, it's being pushed kind of late. I feel like I would be angry <laughs> to see this news. Well, I mean, just the issues about who's going first, uh, that's just, I've not been able to come to an agreement on, yeah, between, I don't know. I just feel like you have to get things going. Um, and obviously, you know, with that being pushed back, it allows him to play. You'd have to assume, depending on the NFL's investigation, I know that the next thing is that he has to meet with the NFL again. Mm -hmm. um, it's just a situation where it just seems like there's a lot of red tape, I guess, to go through. And I would rather have this dealt with sooner rather than later. Yeah. Know? As an organization, I still don't kind of understand how you would willingly take all this on. But just like you said, Watson will may need to meet with the NFL again. Um, he might have to sit for another day of questions as multiple multiple accusers are set to go on national television. So more as more information comes. Um, on the 18th, the NFL and the Bills made big donations to, in wake of the recent mass shootings in Buffalo, the Bills and the NFL Foundation have each donated 200K to support response efforts. So way to go. You would think that um, more people would kind of st stand behind that and also make donations, but something's better than nothing for sure. Yeah. And, I, you know, the Bills, uh, Bills fan base has been pretty good about charity yeah. work and stuff like that. So. I wouldn't be surprised to see them match something like that and do their own um, thing in, in addition to what the NFL and the Bills are doing. Yeah. Um, moving forward here on the 19th, Greg Olson will be part of the Super Bowl call. Former NFL and the Seahawks tight end will reportedly join Kevin Burkhart in the Fox booth next February. Um, and then on the 21st, Dan Schneider might finally be in trouble with the NFL. There is reportedly growing frustration with commander's owner Dan Schneider that has other NFL owners counting votes to potentially force the team's sale. Not good news. No, Snyder's been, for lack of a better word, a scumbag, you know, for the entirety of the time that he's been the owner of the commanders. And uh, to see that maybe there's finally some movement um, in relation to getting him out, I know that, you know, the news about this is that finally the allegations are catching up. The other owners are, all right, this seemed like they're, the other owners seem to be like, all right, this is too much. There's yeah. too much around you. People are calling on us. There's there's just been too much with you. Um, it's time to get him out. And I don't know why it's taken this long. I mean, I've followed this sort of information relating to Snyder for years. And so finally, the idea that they might be moving towards getting rid of him, I think it's just overdue. Yeah, agreed. I think that it needs to be done. And hopefully that's soon. Um, looking ahead here, that pretty much wraps up our NFL segment. What we have moving forward is in late July, and that would be NFL training cap. So we will transition over to our Mariners now. Not necessarily the happiest of transitions, but it's still baseball and it's still better than 
being locked out, I guess. But we'll take a look here as the Mariners finish their long road trip uh, in Toronto and in Boston. So on the 16th uh, through the 18th, the Mariners played the Toronto Blue Jays. Um, on the 16th, a 2-6 to six loss. Player of the game, third baseman Eugenio Suarez going one for three with two runs, an RBI, and a walk. May 17th at the Blue Jays, losing that game 0-3. to three. As you know, when we get shut out, there's no players of the game. Um, and on the 18th uh, against the Blue Jays, to wrap up the series, the Mariners avoid getting swept, winning that game 5-1. to one. Uh, Player of the game, first baseman Ty France, going 3-5 for five with a run and two RBIs. So you hope maybe, hey, you avoid getting swept. The offense wakes up a little bit. Mm-hmm. Cal Raleigh hits a home run. Um Maybe maybe we'll get things going right heading into Boston. You know, with this road trip, you played the what the Mets, the Blue Jays, and the Red Sox. And I know when we looked at the the record of the those last two teams, the latter two teams, they haven't been what they normally have been in the last few seasons. They haven't reached uh, where they haven't hit their stride, right? Unfortunately, it seems like those teams are hitting their stride against the Mariners. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Blue Jays kind of waking things up. And then with this Red Sox series, this is a brutal four-game series, you know, in Boston. So let's take a look at it. Uh, on the 19th at the Red Sox, the Mariners actually got ahead early. Uh, got ahead with a 4 to nothing advantage early on in the first few innings and then would eventually lose that game 6-12 to as uh, Red Sox second baseman Trevor Story hit several homers in this game. Uh, player of the game for us, though, is shortstop Dylan Moore going one for two with a run, four RBIs, and two walks. Uh, Dylan hitting that grand slam there. Um, on the 20th at the Red Sox, a 3-7 to seven loss. Again, a game where the Mariners were kind of in it and then eventually lost out. Uh, player of the game, second baseman Abraham Toro going for one for four with a run and two RBIs. Uh, looking to you know, at least tie the series now that you've lost two. When I'd be uh, unable to do that, unfortunately, in a brutal close loss here, May 21st at the Red Sox, a 5-6 to six loss, play the game center fielder Julio Rodriguez going 3-4, for four, excuse me, with a run in RBI. So good at least to see some of these individual performances mm-hmm. continuing. You know, Julio has been doing really well in the month of May. Um, and then on the 22nd, hoping to avoid the four-game sweep at the Red Sox and a 10.35 a.m. start on a Sunday uh, it was four to four. We were in the tenth inning. Their Mariners actually had the lead uh, in the bottom of the tenth, four to three, going into it. Uh, one run would score. The bases would be loaded. Frenchy Cardero would hit a grand slam for the Mariners to lose four to eight on the twenty-second. Uh, player of the game, second baseman Adam Frazier, going three for five with a run and three RBIs. So, remember what I said about uh, these other teams hitting their stride uh, against us. We got players of the week information in Major League Baseball. Trevor Story uh, hit six homers, 14 RBIs, with a 1.527 on base plus slugging percentage this past week. And four of those games were against the Mariners. Um, I think most, maybe all but one or two of those homers was against us. Um, It's not looking good right now. I'll just be brutally honest with you. Uh, I think we talked about this heading into the uh, regular season. I wanted to add another bat to this offense and another pitcher to this rotation. Granted, George Kirby will, you know, if his development continues and um, doesn't get messed with too much, he should be fine. He should be just fine. Um, but I don't like just throwing these guys, <coughs> excuse me, from Double A straight to the ma- straight to the majors. Um, so I don't know. This is it's kind of. Not not a good situation right now. The Mariners have the worst record in Major League Baseball Oof. since they were eleven and six. 
They're now just one game ahead of the Athletics. Um, they're fourth in the division right now. Things uh, is it time to hit good. the panic button? Um, I don't know. I mean, granted, it is early. No, it's not June yet. Mm-hmm. But I'm getting close. I mean, what do you? What have you seen? What have you thought about it? Um, I had some hope going into obviously their away games here, but seeing the results um, for me anyway, I felt like kind of panicked. <laughs> Excuse me. Yeah, I mean, I know it's early in the season. There's still months to go. I got June, July, August. You know. But and even September, so there's several months to get things done. You've got guys like Tom Murphy's injured, Mitch Hanniger's injured, Kyle Lewis has to come back still. Uh, Evan White's done in AAA, but it, I mean, I know people have asked, "Hey, you've got the guys, right?" I'm like, not necessarily. You still got a couple holes that you'd like to fill. When Dylan Moore is a guy that's taking quality at bats, quality plate appearances for your team. It's a little bit concerning, you know, even after the team added an Adam Frazier, you were hoping that he could be a super utility guy and you get another second baseman. They didn't do that. You know, I know that there was some discussion about uh, maybe using that money next year and next offseason. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that some of the free agent guys haven't done too well to begin the year with their respective teams. But there's you're losing ground right now. The Angels seem to have, you know, again, I want to say it's early, so I'm keeping my shred of optimism and saying, hey, it's early. You know, we're yeah. a few months into it. They can turn things around. They've done it. I mean, last year they hit a certain point against the uh, in May against the Padres, and then they did great the rest – well, pretty good the rest of the way. Um, but I think that this change needs to happen pretty quickly. Um, it, it, part of it starts with hitting. You know, there's a lot of bad plate appearances on this team where they're taking way – they're not quality appearances at the plate. Um, is that the hitting coach? Is that the staff? Or is that the players being uncoachable? You know, I know that mm-hmm. might be some of it, but it's also since Edgar Martinez was the hitting coach, uh, the Mariners have been bottom 10 in the league in things like uh, hits per game and average. When it was Edgar, it was like top 15, um, top 10 in those respective categories for that time when he was here. So is it staff? Uh, the bullpen has regressed a little bit, but bullpens are kind of tough because they're not always – bullpens are kind of uh, Jekyll and Hyde kind of thing. You mm-hmm. can't really say, oh, they're going to have a good bullpen. Yes, you'll have quality guys, but I think people are expecting the bullpen from this year to be the same as it was, how great it was last year. But, it's it's again, it's hard to replicate replicate that success year in and year out with uh, – a bunch and it's not you don't even have all the same guys and even in the bullpen you have a couple guys that are injured ken giles a guy that was deemed a certified closer is still injured and we don't know when he'll get back so there's a lot of things not necessarily going in the mariners way right now and even if you look at this year right next year the shift is banned and a lot of the hits that the mariners aren't getting would have been hits if the shift Mm -hmm. was banned so there's a lot of things that are not going the mariners way um, if you're asking me to make a concrete decision and stop beating around the bush, do I think they can turn it around? Yes, I think they can turn it around. And I would like to look at this in a, in a few months, right, and say, hey, I was right about that. But it's going to have to be up to these players to look in the mirror, to look at these decisions, that be the, look at the man in the mirror, <laughs> and uh, 
and look at themselves and really see what's going on. And again, I think part of that is coaching staff. So it's, it's a tough go right now. Um, but I'm not saying the season is a flush right now because even, even going into this, nobody was expecting a world series appearance. They just wanted to break that streak of playoffs. Right. Right. So like, like I was just talking to big O about Julio still doing great. Yes. If, if you've got guys Consistent. like Julio, yeah. JP still doing good. Ty Francis. As long as you've got those guys where you can see that growth, that's a positive at least. Right. But eventually you will need to add outside forces because yes, teams like Houston, even though I don't like Houston, were mostly built through the draft, right? So you've got a lot of these guys that are your own prospects and they are working their way up. Novi Martez and uh, in Everett, Emerson Hancock has just gotten back off of being injured down, I think with Arkansas. I don't think it was Modesto, um, but just let it continue because I would rather you be ready maybe in a year or two than try to force everything on this one season. And then when it doesn't work, have everybody, you know, fork and uh, uh, pitchfork and, uh, and torch and try to burn it down, you know? <laughs> yeah. So I think at, at the end of the day, in, in the grand scheme of things, I'm not necessarily worried about it, okay. but I would like to see some urgency and I would have liked to see the checkbook, op- checkbook opened up a little bit. So with that long winded, uh being underway we'll head over here to players of the week which is kind of tough when it was a rougher week but uh bell went with ty france and ty france has been in this conversation for just about since the season's begun yeah he's a reliable pick here (laughs) Um, but i just i did go to the stat sheet for this week so ty france had 30 at bats two runs nine hits three doubles one home run a three rbi 15 total bases two walks a .300 average, .344 on-base percentage, .500 slugging, and .844 on-base plus slugging. Yeah, like you said, he's he's been a consistent pick at that at that juncture. And again, like I said, if he continues to do well, solid. I mean, you know you've got a guy that at first base. It's always nice when I can look at a lineup and say, all right, that position is locked down. I don't have to think about, right. oh, maybe. No, as long as that's. I think that's a positive. Yeah. Uh, I look at the other corner of the infield, Suarez, Eugenio Suarez, he had a solid week. I mean, in 28 plate appearances, uh, nine hits, seven runs, three doubles, two homers, uh, a clutch homer actually to tie the game up in the ninth inning of that mm-hmm. Sunday loss that was brutal. Three RBIs, 18 total bases, one walk, a 321 batting average, a 345 on base percentage, a 643 slugging. Uh, so both of those together equal a 988 on base plus slugging. Um, Suarez has been interesting because it's been he's been a three outcome hitter, which usually means it's going to be a homer, uh, some sort of put out or a strikeout. Nice. Uh, I, I might be wrong on the put out part, but it, you kind of know what you're getting, which is unfortunate. So <laughs> he's a guy that I would like to see better plane appearances of. But I mean, over the past seven days, he's done hasn't long. been bad. Yeah. Um, and injury related news, we head over to injury news here. Uh, as I mentioned, Evan White is with the Rainiers right now. He began his assignment on the 18th of May with the Rainiers as they took on the Sacramento Rivercats. Unfortunately, in the three games that he's played, he's only got eight plate appearances, no hits, no total bases, one walk, and five strikeouts. So Evan uh, still trying to work that out. I know that the book on him is that he, he won a gold glove in 2020 at first base with the Mariners uh, in that shortened season. But his, his um, excuse me, his bat has just been inconsistent. And the mm-hmm. hope was to have him stay in Tacoma and work on that for a bit. I mean, it's a tough go. Three games, not going to necessarily hit the panic button, but kind of a rough start there. 
Um, in team-related news, you know, with the trip to Toronto, I know we mentioned there being some some moves potentially, you know, in relation yeah. to the vaccine and how unvaccinated players cannot enter Canada. So we look over at team uh, roster moves here. Oops, I'm jumping the gun. Uh, on the 16th, the uh, Mariners sent red-handed pitcher Drew Steckenrider to the restricted list, uh, unable to enter Canada due to being unvaccinated. So surprisingly, the only Mariners that couldn't enter Canada were Robbie Ray and Drew Steckenrider. Not bad. So, I mean, too, I know that there last year was there was some discussion about this, about players, you know, having a, a clubhouse that was mostly unvaccinated. Two guys is pretty good. Yeah, it is. Um, and then, so the corresponding move to that was left-handed pitcher Rowanis Elias being selected from AAA Tacoma. Good to see Rowanis come back to the major league club. He's been a guy that's really worked hard uh, to get to the major league level and to see him get another chance is uh, really good after working through some brutal injuries. And then also on that day, right-handed pitcher Johan Ramirez was traded to Cleveland in exchange for cash considerations. On the 19th, uh, Drew Steckenrider was reinstated back from the restricted list as the team left Canada uh, and left-handed pitcher Rohanis Elias returned to AAA Tacoma. Mm -hmm. A rumor on the 19th was that Kyle Lewis is expected to join the team on Monday. Now, it is Monday, which, uh, you know, we're kind of early afternoon. We haven't seen anything quite yet, but the day is still young. Um, I just know that that has been talked about, and he's been doing pretty solidly at the plate, at least, in his rehab, rehab assignment with Tacoma. And the plan is sort of to have him at the designated hitter spot, so not necessarily worry about him being on defense. So see about that. Uh, but continuing here with the roster moves, on the 20th, right-handed pitcher Matt Festo was reinstated from the 15-day injured list. And right-handed pitcher Wyatt Mills was optioned to triple-A Tacoma. Then on the 21st, the Mariners signed veteran outfielder Justin Upton to a major league deal. I know that with that signing, there was some worry about Kyle Lewis and his health. You know, obviously the outfield is already clogged on its own in terms of just on paper, right? Mm -hmm. Not necessarily with the injuries. I don't know what this is about. He <laughs> reported to extended spring training down in Peoria, and he's going to kind of work before he joins the major league club. Yeah. Um, but I know that, I mean, with Mitch Hanniger out, with Kyle Lewis, uh, you, you had Steven Souza up there. You just called up um, Taylor Trammell, which, you know, we continue on here, to the 22nd moves. Uh, infielder slash outfielder Sam Haggerty and outfielder Taylor Trammell were recalled from AAA Tacoma. Infielder Abraham Toro was placed on the 10-day IL. And outfielder Steven Souza Jr. was DFA'd. Mm -hmm. So you've got a lot of outfielders that are young and talented in this in this ball club in this organization. I'm curious to see if this is a veteran thing, if this is kicking the tires. I don't, I don't know. That was a kind of confusing move. At least if you look at it, right. I mean, what do you think about it? You know, just from the base level, this is, you know, you're adding a veteran guy who the angels cut in spring training. Um, I think some of that might've been from his contract because the Mariners are only paying him half a million dollars. And I think, mm -hmm the angels owe him $19 million. Wow. So, I mean, do you I think have any thoughts on this off the top? Anytime that you bring a veteran in, I think that, and like you said, having young guys on the roster here as well in that position, I feel like it's in a sense to get them ready or to like help them develop their game. But I mean, would you say that that's the case here? I, I think that would be a likely decision. I mean, you've already got guys that are veterans in this clubhouse, though. Yeah, you know, at true. least pitcher-wise, Sergio Romo was a great veteran presence still. 
Um, you know, Julio's obviously in center, Winker's in left, um, and they've been kind of playing a mixture of guys. I mean, Frazier's played in right, Moore's played in right, uh, Tramel, I believe, was in right yesterday. Um, so maybe it is for some st- better instability, but I don't, I, it's, it's kind of puzzling to me. needed, yeah. Because he won't be there that long, I'm not assuming, you know, unless he gets some resurgence, but I, hmm. I, it puzzled me a little bit. So as we head over to league-related news here, uh, some funnier things, but not too much going on. Well, I mean, there's a notable incident. On the 18th, Albert Pujols entered the top 10 list for hits all time. Pujols with a single off of Max Scherzer on the 18th total his career hit 3,314, putting him into the top 10 all time. On the 20th, we get a price tag for Aaron Judge. <laughs> the Yankees star outfielder is headed for a massive contract this offseason, uh, heading north of $300 million. My That's a goodness. good amount of change there. Uh, this is the more serious part and the one that I wanted to look at. On the 21st, uh, Tim Anderson and Josh Donaldson had an incident. The Yankees third baseman Josh Donaldson admitted that he said, what's up, Jackie, referring to, Jackie yeah. Robinson to Tim Anderson, uh, White Sox shortstop Tim Anderson. Donaldson told reporters that he had joked with Anderson about these sort of similar remarks uh, when the two had played against each other in 2019. Um, teammate Liam Hendricks, uh, Tim Anderson's teammate Liam Hendricks, said that Donaldson's explanation was complete BS. Uh, Donaldson has been since suspended one game for his actions. Uh, I think someone explained it best. I believe it was, I think it was actually the Yankees uh, skipper said that this is kind of thing that, you know, if you guys both know about it and it's an inside joke and it's kind of accepted between each other, sure. But uh, it didn't seem like that was the case. This is just, I kind of bewildered by it. I mean, just to hear something like that and for him to make remarks about that uh, was a little bit ridiculous. So, I'm glad that, I mean, the one game suspension feels light, but um, I'm hoping that a better, I don't know. I would like to hear more about it and like to hear more background context. But I mean, just, I don't think there necessarily be, needs to be more considering what it is. You know, it's uh, pretty cut and dry and that's just something like that. Pretty unacceptable. So It'd be a shame if it is not an inside thing and it yeah, because he that claims that that happened, before. but yeah. has, you know, with the way that it was reacted to over their the White Sox and Yankees series, uh, so uh, we'll keep it moving along here uh, with this upcoming week. Uh, the Mariners sit at a seventeen and twenty five record, fourth in the American League West. They have a three game series at home. They start a, a home stand here against some divisional opponents, May 23rd through 25th against the Athletics, May 23rd and 24th with a 641st pitch, May 25th with a 110 start, May 27th through 29th against the Houston Astros, May 27th a 640 start, May 18th a 710 start on that Saturday, um, and then May 29th a 110 start. So with that being said here, we'll continue it, move and try to get through the stuff uh, we've got for our storm here, which, you know, some good wins, but also some uh, off the court <laughs> Very stuff. Very tight. Um, with our Seattle Storm, they did win our the last two games of the season that they just played. So they played the 18th against Chicago Sky, and that was a win, 74 to 71. Our player of the game is Ezzy Magbagor with 21 points, six rebounds, and four assists. 
Um, and then on the 20th, they played Liz Cambage in the LA Sparks. And that was also a win, 83-80, to 80, another three-point win. Um, our player of the game for that game is Brianna Stewart with 28.7 rebounds and two assists. And Brianna looked perfect that game. <laughs> um, she came out assertive. She was strong. Um, she mentioned how the previous game, she still kind of had thoughts of having just been off for COVID. And this time it was just uh, get out on the court and be aggressive. So that's exactly what she did. Um, moving on to some injury news here. On the 17th, the injury report versus the sky out would be, of course, Mercedes Russell, who we still don't have a timeline on. Um, she was definitely missed in these last two games, and I think will continue to be missed until we know when she's coming back. Um, questionable was Brianna Stewart for the health and safety protocols, but then she would be activated hours before the game. On the 19th, the injury report versus the Sparks out, of course, again, Mercedes Russell. Um, moving on to some team notes here on the 18th, Kayla Davis was waived, a resulting move from Brianna Stewart coming out of health and safety protocol. On the 19th, the Storm announced the par a partnership with Coinbase. So they made Coinbase a franchise's official cryptocurrency platform. The deal is the first of its kind for a WNBA franchise. The partnership will educate, inspire, and give fans a chance to engage in the cryptocurrency world, which is really cool because I think that I could use some of that. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, it's it's cool to see that they'll be the presenting partner of the Commissioner Cup games. I mean, there's some stuff with Force for Change, which is yeah. nice. Uh, just kind of looking at it. I mean, they'll have their logo on the court now. Yeah. Um, they're going to have an exclusive Storm theme MF NFT. Uh and they've also signed deals with Drew Lloyd and Sue Bird, which is it's nice to see the players get a deal with it. But yeah, I might get ragged on for this, but I don't really care for the cryptocurrency stuff. <laughs> I'd, maybe I'm in the past, but I don't know. As, I mean, as, as long as the investment is in the women's sports, that's solid to see. That's true. But uh, what do you think about it? Um, I don't know that I have enough knowledge on the cryptocurrency world. So for me, it was just like, okay, cool. You're giving knowledge to other people that maybe want to learn more or be invested in it. Yeah. So. And I think education about it is yeah. the, the, the baseline of what you should have before making uh, more of uh, even buying. I think you'd want to yeah, be educated exactly. on it. So that's, that's good to know. And just like you said, investment in women in general, the Storm announced the city's first center for basketball performance. The center will serve as the dedicated practice facility for the WNBA Seattle Storm. Its design will both celebrate the Storm's success in Seattle and allow the franchise to expand its efforts to grow opportunities for female athletes and youth in the city. It's a 50,000 square foot parcel in Seattle's inner bay neighborhood. The design will include two side-by-side -side basketball courts, the Storm Team Center with locker rooms, a lounge, and a nutrition center for the players, and strength and conditioning training spaces. The facility will include room for diagnostics and physical therapy, as well as the franchise's business offices. Construction is expected to begin in spring of 2023 and be completed in time for training camp ahead of the 2024 WNBA season. This was exciting. Um, we did ask Coach Quinn about this uh, during that LA game, and she is excited about the opportunity for this to maybe influence free agency. And of course, four-time championships, she thought it was very well-deserved. Uh, she said it was about time, actually. Um, so yeah, this uh, completely excited to have um, she was excited to have an office as well that she could have an extra change of clothes in because she says she never leaves. So 
um, yeah, just exciting in general for the city. Um, well, it's interesting too, because this is something that actually had been like talked about several yeah. months ago. I sold it, I guess for them to make it official. And I think, I think it was more so that they put in like the paperwork to say, okay, this is going to go mm -hmm. into effect. It was cool to see. And like you said, I mean, the winningest team in the city, people always forget that, which is annoying. Um, but I think, I think it was put simply best and just overdue and deserved. Yeah. Um, moving on to some league notes here. On the 17th, Russia is blocking access to Brittany Griner. Officials from USMC have been unsuccessful in multiple attempts to visit detained WNBA star Brittany Griner. Um, that's a shame considering that her trial continues to be pushed. And so we're going more days without communicating with her. Um, on the 18th, NBA commissioner Adam Silver stated that the NBA is working with the WNBA for Brittany Griner's release. Not exactly sure what that entails or what they are doing to partner with the WNBA for that. But he said, we've been in touch with the White House, the State Department, hostage negotiators, every level of government, and also the private sector as well. Our number one priority is her health and safety and making sure that she gets out of Russia. And again, the State Department is still pushing to have regular contact with Brittany Griner. So let's hope for a more positive update coming up. Um, as it stands, our record for the Seattle Storm is three and three. They are third in the Western Conference. And looking ahead, we have two games against the New York Liberty, one on the 27th with a 7 p.m. tip off and one on the 29th with a 3 p.m. tip off. Now we'll transition over to our Sanders. Yeah, I mean, we go from the storm where it's two wins and a practice facility and a new <laughs> crypto deal. And that, well, I mean, the Sounders, it's not the worst thing in the world, but no. going one and one, there's more to it than one and one. So let's get into it. On the 18th, um, playing against the Houston Dynamo on the road. So these two games were on the road, a little short road trip, uh, winning that game one to nothing, a nice little close game. Uh, play the game striker Raul Ruiz Diaz. Raul going a 7.9 rating in 86 minutes. Uh, any six minutes played, the one goal, two total shots. So Raul takes a uh, player of the game honors as he scores the only goal for the Sounders, that one being the winner. Nice one to go down to Houston and take care of that. I mean, you come off of CCL and you want to continue to do positive things in MLS play uh, and build off of that Minnesota win, and then you beat Houston. So it's nice to see. Uh, but then May 22nd at Colorado. So the background behind this, I want to say, is that Seattle's had a tough time going into Colorado mm -hmm. and beating the Rapids for a decent amount of time. And in MLS play this season, even – and so after this now continued, after this game, the Rapids have not lost at home yet. So wow. that's five wins and two draws Impressive. at home. Uh, so and we look at that really quickly again, a 0-1 to one loss against the Rapids. Uh, there was some controversy. Um, there was a penalty that might have – uh, been called and a foul on this, the Rapids goal that I think the referees agreed might have been called. But at the end of the day, you know, with something that goes uh, further than this, kind of sticks with my UW softball. So tune in to Woof Wednesdays if that's something you want to talk about. Uh, but you don't want to let referees side the game. Right. You'd like to make it so that, hey, you know, there might have been a bad call, but we played better than that. We don't have to worry about it. But again, it's, it's granted the circumstances, it's tough to, um, win in Colorado right now and it's been for the Sounders for a decent bit and uh, I mean they got six points in one week you know you played several games over the past week it, it's I, I'll take a six point week um, so I mean a little bit of a mixed bag but overall again I wouldn't panic um, in team related news we've got some little bit of uh, historic achievement kind of thing 
on the 18th, the team signed goalkeeper Stefan. I mean, pardon me. On the 18th, goalkeeper Stefan Fry <laughs> moved into third place in MLS history for career shutouts. So congratulations to Steph on that. I almost said signed. That's incorrect. Right. <laughs> um, and then so congratulating Steph on reaching third all-time in the MLS on that. And then on the 20th, Christian Roldan and Jordan Morris were called into the U.S. men's national team summer roster. So big there to see both of those guys make it. I know after um, the Minnesota match that Brian Schmetzer was basically almost calling for the men's national team coach to say, hey, Christian Roldan deserves a spot on that roster mm-hmm. um, when World Cup comes around. So more of a chance with the summer uh, roster to continue to prove that. But I also think that Christian's been playing, you know, as, as we talked about in last week's episode, at an MVP level. So good for Christian there. Um, to wrap that up and to look into this upcoming week, the Sanders sit at a four win, six loss, one draw record in MLS play, which is good for a 12th in the Western Conference. Their next matchup is May 29th versus Charlotte with a 6.30 p.m. Pacific time start. Charlotte is playing their inaugural season, and they've. Uh, I didn't necessarily expect Charlotte to have a huge following mm-hmm. in soccer. You know, obviously they've got a decent uh, following with the Panthers, but they, they've showed out uh, in the home games they've had, so interesting to see um, how their club will do against us up here in Seattle. Um, I would transition over to Kraken News, and we didn't necessarily have anything um, I mean, we had s- some league news, but there was nothing else besides that. I do have an update on that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I apologize for not having a, a visual for you. But um, the Kraken have signed Sovlakian uh, league scoring champion Samuel Buchik. Uh, the general manager, Ron Francis, said that he has been signed and will start off in the uh, Kraken's AHL affiliate in Coachella Valley uh, this upcoming season. So you sign a guy who is leading the league in uh, the Slovakian league, who they're scoring, uh, played with one of the top draft picks, I believe, in this past year's draft. Um, Promising. The only way I look at it is, I think we talked about it last week, you're going to have to build your AHL roster. Why not do it with guys that are young and have upside? So not too much there, but I mean, good to note that and see, yeah. hey, maybe one, maybe next season we're talking about them at some point, right? So, you know, we'll see, but uh, I'll let you look at league news here, um, which is, I mean, kind of interesting, but. Not too much. Just a little note here on for the league news. The Stars head coach has stepped down. Uh, Rick Bonus is out of the Dallas Stars head coach after the team was eliminated in the first round of the playoffs. He led the team to the Stanley Cup final in 2020, and all of his coach, coaching staff is out of well as well. So they just clean sweep. Yeah, I mean, interesting <laughs> to kind of clean house. I wonder if there's more to it than that because, I mean, you look at, I mean, a cup final in 20, and then, I mean, you make the playoffs this year. I mean, I, I don't know. Um, so we'll continue on with our reign uh, here, which had a, another, like the Sounders, but their historical events had an interesting week as well. Um, over the past week, for the third time in this month of May, play the Washington Spirit. Oh, All of those games have been interesting. Uh, this one was a 0-0 zero zero draw. Play the game, defender Alana Cook. So, I mean, it's a, it's a draw. Makes sense for a defender to get it, I guess. Uh, an 8.0 rating in 90 minutes played, an 80% pass percentage. One chance created from her center back uh, spot, which was a good chance. I mean, she cl- cleared the ball up really well to Veronica Latsko. Latsko just unable to um, put it away, unfortunately. Um, she was eight for 10 on long balls for a center back, which is kind of pretty cool to see three clearances, one block, three interceptions and six recoveries. So Alana 
Lana Cook, since joining the reign, has been an incredible force. And it's just, she's a, uh, a regular on the women's national team. Uh, and it's just been a stud for the reign. So she's not the only incredible force on the reign. <laughs> God, well, we'll get to it. And I was alluding to something here. Um, but I just want to do, I do want to speak on those Washington matches. I mean, in all three of those ones that have been played this month of May, the rain have outplayed the spirit. And it's just come down to the, the spirit getting some uh, unfortunate circumstance goal or play at the end of the game, like in the Challenge Cup semifinal where it doesn't get called and then they go to penalties. Right. Um, so uh, some people have said that obviously Portland's the main rival here. But the spirit might be building. There might be a rivalry building there. So that's kind of interesting. Um, we look to interrelated news. Luckily, the match report for the spirit game was completely clean. So I didn't have to worry about that. On the 19th, who Bell is alluding to, <laughs> uh, goalkeeper Fallon Tillis-Joyce won her fifth NWSL save of the week. Yes, that's five of them. Uh, for her save against Portland, we'll show you here in a second. She's... Uh, won the award five times in 11 career appearances. Um, currently, I don't uh, know if this is different. This was when it was announced, but she led the NWSL in saves made uh, with 19 over three regular season games played. So with that being said, without keeping you waiting, uh, we'll take a look at that save here. Sinclair up the middle. Sophia Smith, saved by Tullis Joyce. Big time play on that breakaway. Well done from Tullis Joyce to come off her line, make herself big, and deny the opportunity from Smith. Every week I feel bad because leading into the season, I was unsure about the goalkeeper spot. Yeah, you uh, you regret some comments made every week. <laughs> Well, yeah. I mean, that's not wrong. Well, I mean, it's tough in the sports world when you cover the what the sixteen teams we do in total with circling Seattle sports. I'm going to be wrong here and there. And it's better to be surprised. Yes. No. I mean, I was like, I was unsure. I wasn't saying, oh no, Fallon, no. Yeah. I was yeah. just like, hey, I don't know. And she's certainly continued every week uh, to pull it out. So it'll be interesting to see when the regular season's done how many of those she's got. Oh, for sure. I, I, you know, I don't want to predict, but it's she's on she's on pace. Um, so we continue here, um, with the match on the 22nd, there was a lot that went on. Uh, the rain were celebrating 50 years of title 11. Um, the first 3000 fans who, uh, attended the match received rally towels courtesy of Gatorade who are invested in the promise of title 11, uh, match, the match worn jerseys from the rain featuring a special patch, uh, from title 11 will be auctioned. Uh, off to support programs that inspire and empower girls through soccer. And this was last night. I don't know if these numbers have changed, uh, but if you can kind of see here sort of the numbers of the prices uh, for those auctions, I mean, it was uh, a little bit ridiculous. Uh, I was hoping to get my hands on one of them uh, <laughs> when they were like at a bit of 125. And that's obviously not going to happen with most of them. I think they're all at least near like 700 uh, now, but it's good to know that, you know, these are being auctioned off um, for good reason, for good reason. And to basically just continue on what Title 11 is about and continue yeah. to push that along. Um, I'm going to try to find you updated numbers on that here. But no, I mean, it was good to see. And I'd like to see them continue to do stuff like that, because obviously the market for these things is there. And as long as you can do it so that it in 
positively impacts these women. Mm-hmm. I don't see why you don't continue to do it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. These most of these numbers are similar. The minimum I'm seeing for an auction is seven hundred, which is. Mm. Pretty solid. Fallon's is one thousand five hundred, which is I don't think she's the highest. Rose Lavelle's fifteen hundred, just Fishlock's eighteen hundred. Yeah, so good to know though that this money is going somewhere. Yeah. It's not just they're just auctioning these off. Um, also, in relation to the celebrating the fifty years of Title Eleven, a halftime celebration announcing the building of a new rave mini pitch in Tacoma to support girls' access to soccer. Nice. So as long as you make these sports accessible, it's it's, it's great to see. Continuing with these historic achievements that we talked about, uh, first of all, Lauren Barnes, the captain of the Reign, a Reign original, one of the three players on the roster to still be with the club since its inception, uh, reached 15,000 regular season minutes played in national, the National Women's Soccer League. She's the first woman in the league in league history to reach that mark. Wow. 15,000 minutes. I mean, think about that. That's what? Uh I can't even. It's How many games is that? About 166, I believe. Um, wow. All of them with the rain. And I would like to say now, Lauren Barnes has been a consummate professional since she joined the rain, since she started in this league, has been someone who always continues to push it forward. And just all I've heard from teammates and just in general from the media, how I've uh, interacted with her, she's always been a consummate professional. Everyone says she's one of the kindest human beings that they've met and continues to be. I mean, you don't get to 150 matches, 166 matches, 15,000 minutes without earning your spot and on right? the same team yes uh, yeah exactly no it's not some players that you know some veterans in whatever league that you know they still play but certain teams are taking chances mm-hmm. on them she's been in the same place i know even when i interviewed her it was she was unsure about wanting to return to california because she's from california <laughs> and with the expansion drafts right the yeah. two teams from california she gave a great answer to that um but to do all of them with the rain um and just it was. It's tough to say. I mean, when the NWSL Hall of Fame becomes a thing, she's got to be in it yeah. right away. Um, and to see her continue to play and wanting to seemingly play a few more years at least, I just wanted to take a moment to recognize that achievement because it is pretty incredible. I mean, 15,000 minutes, is it kind of hard to even fathom? You know, I don't know. You know, so... Uh, Lou, congratulations on that. And then also congratulations to forward Veronica Latsko, who reached 50 NWSL regular, seasons game play, regular season games played, uh, joining her teammate Bethany Balser, who reached the achievement last week, the two Reign players to reach that achievement. So, you know, good to know that um, we're keeping track of these achievements because Jess McDonald, who actually plays with uh, Racing Louisville, who the Reign played last week, uh-huh. she was, I think she tuned after the game, how many games have I played? Because she had not been recognized for 150. Um, wow. So good to know that the Reign are keeping track with that and that yeah. we are able to keep these. Because you, you like to be, you know, when you spend as much time as you do, in the, yeah, dedication in these kind of things, you want to be recognized for it, right? So, um in terms of league-related news and kind of women's soccer in general, women's sports in general, on the 18th, some major news broke in terms of the equal pay fight. Unions for the men's national team and U.S. women's national team uh, ratified a new collective bargaining agreement with U.S. soccer that includes equal pay split of the World Cup bonuses, amongst other things. This new CBA runs through 2028. 90% of the money that U.S. soccer receives from FIFA uh, for their World Cup participation will go towards these new contracts. A lot of it just seems like it was split down the middle. Um, and I, I want to recognize, though, that this is obviously a huge moment, yeah. but not to under, not to think that it's over. 
because there's so much more work that could be done in the fight, you know, not only for women, but for women's sports, you know, for this money. Uh, and we just, as we continue to look here in so many different ways, like you were talking about with the investment of women with the storm, when the investment is made and when the proper channels are given to these women, it produces. Mm-hmm. So it's like enough with, oh, we don't think it's going to do it. No, the examples are there. It's just about putting that into motion. So I want to recognize this achievement, but also know that there is more work to be done. Yes. Um, also, in the 19th, more female history was made in relation to FIFA. FIFA picked the first women referees uh, for the Men's World Cup. Three women Ooh. of the 36 referees were announced. Uh, Yamashita Yoshimi, Stephanie Frappart, uh, and Salma uh, Mukan Sanga uh, will all be referees for the World Cup, this up, the Men's World Cup uh, this upcoming time around. So with that being said, continuing to chug along here, uh, the Reigns today, zero win, one loss, three draws record. So they're, they're fighting. I th- Before I get into it, like with the Mariners, I am not hitting the panic button. We're four games into the regular season. We're going to be playing till about October. Same with the Mariners. They'll There's get a win. lot of talent on this team. There's a lot of depth on this team. I think they're fine. They're just working it out. Yeah. So looking into upcoming um, May 25th, this Wednesday versus the KC Current. That is a home game at Lumen Field with a 7 o'clock start. And then Sunday, the 29th versus the San Diego Wave, that is a noon start. Um, as we head over to Seawolves, which Seawolves had a uh, quiet week, so we're just kind of looking ahead here, Belle, at uh, yeah. next week. No game recap. Um, they stand at a 7-7 seven to seven record, the fifth in the Western Conference with 36 points. Yep, and all that stuff below <laughs> it is just old because now, unfortunately, you, know, you played your bye week. You had your bye week, right? But games still went on. Everybody else went on. Um, and so now it's out of your hands, right? If you had, like we had been talking about, if you won out, you would have controlled your own destiny. You didn't, you know? Um, and so now it's, uh, it's you've got a scoreboard watch and you got to hope that teams <sighs> like Houston, like you got to get five points against Houston this week, which is a Houston's what in the third spot. And you've got to hope for some outside factors. So we'll see. But this upcoming week is a big one. Um, and as you mentioned, against Houston on the 27th, a 7.30 start. That is at Tukwila, so it's a home game. But uh, So they'll need all the support they can get. Yeah. Um, <laughs> home court advantage. But it's it's tough. So with home that field. being said, we uh, we look at stars of the week, Seattle stars of the week. And Belle went with uh, with Stewie. What was the reasoning behind Stewie for I you? Did. Um, she fought both games. She looked well both games. Um, of course, after having a week off, from those health and safety protocols. Uh, Sue Bird made a comment on the game against the Sparks about how um, they just kind of, as a team, play into their roles. And Brianna Stewart's role is being the best player on the court or on their, their team. And she looked like the best player on the court that game. So, um, which, of course, she is number one. She is rated number one. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, she's she's doing really well. It's Good to see her get in the groove, a season high of 28 points. And she had whatever she wanted on that court. So it was amazing to see. Yeah, and I think you hit on it. When she's healthy, she's the best player in the world. When she's healthy, the Storm make the playoff runs. Mm -hmm. It's just about keeping her. And I think uh, Coach Quinn talked about it after the Sky game, is making sure that she keeps these rotations throughout the season so that no one gets 
fatigued and run down. Yeah, she was asked about just how she's handling the minutes. And of course, she says that she wants to keep players in rotation and not exhaust anyone. But when there are players like Brianna Stewart, Jewel Lloyd, that kind of need to be in for a larger part of the game, then that is what we're going to see. So. I think you hit on it pretty well. Yeah. I mean, again, it's not bad, a bad pick at all. <laughs> um, and I, it's, I mean, 28, I just wonder what she'll be able to eclipse in this homestand that the Storm have, yeah. let alone throughout the season. So um, I went with Lou Barnes. I mean, just the 15,000 minutes, just right. the consummate professionalism, being the team captain, uh, being alongside those Reign Originals of her, Jess Fishlock and Megan Rapino, just another Seattle sports let you look at Stewie pick some damn great women to highlight this week. Yeah. So uh, that's it for us this week. Um, kind of quieter on some, the kind of quieter on the Seahawks and the Seawolves fronts, the soccer teams, some historic achievements, the Mariners looking to the kind of through the doldrums right now. They're kind of wading through Yeah. Um, the storm on, a, on the up, you know, got to conti- continue to keep moving. Um, but overall, I'd say pretty yeah, solid. Well, yeah. uh, and the weather's getting better too, so can't complain about that. Without being said, uh, Bell Garcia with you. Bell will be actually updating from the Mariners game later today. We're going to be heading there basically right after this. And I mean, I'll see you uh, uh, the next few days. So, with that being said, uh, we'll see you. Thank your directors. Thank your director. Someone behind the camera. Uh, doing some great drone work. I mean, if yeah. you, you don't check out what he's doing here with, I'm like, God, I, I can't fly a drone like that. So, uh, <laughs> again, shout out all the people that you've got working for you because, you know, Lord knows there's a lot of people here at Converge that do great things. Uh, with that being said, we'll see you next week. And until then, do, do what you can to make today a great day. Converge Media produces culturally relevant content for black and urban audiences. Our coverage is raw, transparent, and objective, praised by community leaders, government officials, and residents. Support Converge Media today via Venmo, Cash App, or PayPal at Converge Media.